Now, Charlotte, I want to play a little game of who said it best. Me or the person who recorded the line in the first place. So I'm going to say a line of Amicius from A Plague Tale, and you, Charlotte McBurney, are going to then see if you can do it better than me. I wonder who will win. <laughs> Incredible. I'm excited. Here we go. I am Amicia Darun, and I kneel to no one. I am Amicia Darun, and I kneel to no one. Okay, I think that's even. Yeah. Let's call it one. I would say that's even. One point. Now this <laughs> next one. There are many variations of this, so I'm just gonna just gonna pick one of them. Here we go. It's a short one, so prepare yourself. Bastard. <laughs> Bastard. Very good. Now, <laughs> did you know that you say this quite a lot of times in the game? No, but then people have like sent me edits of like the number of times I've sent said this word. I right. didn't so, realize. Someone made a whole video about this, <laughs> um, and you do it in many different ways. There's some whispered ones. There's some aggressive ones. There's some just loud ones. Um, Eighteen times apparently, and someone it's split so it up into plural and singular use as well, which I thought <laughs> was brilliant. It's dedication to the craft. I now feel this... like. Yeah, my other favourite aggressive cry would have to be mangy dog. Mangy dog? How does that one yeah. go? She That tends to be a discreet where she's like hiding in the grass and she's really angry at all the soldiers and she just goes, mangy dog. <laughs> great. I think I should work it into my daily life. <laughs> you should. It's quite a good one. I think people it would turn heads. So the third line, the third yeah. showdown line, um, and this is quite an emotional one, and I've heard that it may be one of your favourite lines ah. from the game. So here we go. I don't know what's happening to me, Lucas. I I feel my mind going. I don't know what's happening to me, Lucas. I, I feel my mind going. Very good. Bravo. Let's call it evens. No, obviously. I call it even. I've got to say, you do, you do a lovely Amicia. Oh, thanks very much. Thank Beautiful. <laughs> I was trying to find an example of um, the death noises because I heard that you uh, enjoyed recording those. Um, but, but I couldn't. I could only find ones of other people dying, which I thought, um, let's not, let's not do that. Do you, remember, <laughs> do you remember any of the death noises? Because this must have been a strange thing to record. Yes. So they were sort of broken down into categories of how you die. So oh. there's... Um, so we would do 10 variations of death by rats. Um, and what, what happened in the second game that didn't happen in the first game was that you could get like nibbled by rats and then get yourself <laughs> out of it. So we had to do like, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing in the studio when they were describing it to me. It's like the rats have like started to eat you, but you get away. And so we were doing that, that noise and then full on, no, I've been consumed by rats. There's, death by fire death by arrows death by in the second game there's you can get your eyes pecked out by a bird it's lovely goodness yeah oh of course i remember the falcon on um yeah. or, or the yeah the bird of prey i don't know if it was a, it is, a falcon. Yeah, um <laughs> did you have a favorite death oh i mean i've got an affection for death by rats because <laughs> of course <laughs> you know it's quintessential it's amicia at her finest um and but I really yeah I think 
And death by fire is quite hard because you have to work in a lot of coughing and that's just that's just a lot. Um, I guess it's probably death by rats. It's just full on as curdling screams as you can go and it's just, <laughs> it's a Fantastic. lot of fun. Fantastic. So hello and welcome to One to One, an interview series where I, Bertie, a long-time journalist for Eurogamer, talk to extraordinary people from around the world of games. Today, a BAFTA and Games Award nominated actress who you'll probably know better as the person whose lines we were just reciting, Amicia de Rune, uh, from the Plague Tale series. It's Charlotte McBurney. Charlotte, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. So I always like to start these conversations because I'm super nosy by looking into people's houses behind them, yeah. something that these video calls, uh, pandemic video calls have kind of uh, enabled. So where are you calling from today? And what can we see? What kind of personal trinkets of yours can we see? Quite a few, actually. Um so I'm in my room in London and uh, behind me, you can see a painting that my best friend made for me. She's wow. an artist in Florence and she's incredibly talented. And so she painted that. You can't really see it in its full glory, but it's it's stunning. Uh, what else can you see? There are a few trinkets. I've got um, that that sort of paddle thing is something my dad brought back from Russia for me. Wow. He's spent a lot of time in Russia and he's uh, got a lot of connections out there and uh in the ukraine as well and so that that's a sort of traditional thing that i think they used to use for ironing clothes but now they decoratively paint them and he brought it back and he was like because you you are my lion-hearted warrior and it was just so sweet oh <laughs> so, wow that's lovely um and i've got i mean i've got various things i've got my uh i've got an award that i got for innocence which is very sweet oh wow uh, and yeah, I mean, of course, didn't quite bring home any of the awards for Requiem. Um, but Seb, the writer, was like, I'm going to make you your own one. I'm going to make you one. <laughs> oh, bless. Um, but no rats. No, no rats. Well, <laughs> I like, love how you this? looked to check there as if, hang on a second, maybe there are. Where are they? I've got pictures of Plague Tale that they sent me and that kind of thing. Um, I've got the statue that uh, the from Requiem, which is upstairs. Um, but my housemate's kitten chewed through the crossbow. Oh wow! Um, which I think means that he's a pacifist um, and is very against war in <laughs> and violence. Because so I've sort of mended the crossbow, but I kind of like it. It's it's even more mad. <laughs> um, and what have I interrupted you doing today? This is something else I like asking people because it gives us a glimpse at people's kind of day-to-day -day lives it's a very good question uh what have you interrupted me doing um i was working on a little bit of writing okay. um, and i'm working on a couple of short films and a tv show at the moment and also i am currently in the wild wild world of um freelancing i'm also currently waiting tables so i'm getting my uniform ready for that in the evening i see what's the writing that you're doing is this a kind of personal project or yes personal project um so i've got for the television show that i'm working on is god knows if it'll ever come to anything but uh basically i've become 
friends with a lot of people in the London drag king scene, which is male impersonation. Ah, okay. And so I'm writing a TV show about a group of drag kings and trying to make something fun and joyful while also giving a little bit of insight into this Mm. rather wonderful world. (laughs) And nice. So is that a TV show that you're already working on? Is that something that you're trying to get made? I'm trying to get made at the moment. Oh, well, yeah. good luck. That sounds great. I haven't seen anything like that before and I would definitely watch it. So, Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so as I mentioned in the opening and we sort of touched on uh, there, you, you were nominated and deservedly so for a BAFTA um, and the awards were at the end of March last week when we we're recording this. Yes. How was that for you? Talk me through it from hearing you've been nominated for an award. Um, I, know, I know you've been nominated for another award, the Game Awards as well, um, to what it was like on the night right up to when they announced the winner because I'm wondering what's going through your head it's yeah a lot of things go through your head so we found out at the start of March and I I knew that the nominations were coming out I figured that Plague Tale would be nominated in some categories um so I watched the nomination stream which my lovely friend Julia Hardy they were announcing all of the uh, all of the nominees, which was really nice because it meant they read my name out, which was really sweet. Um, but I was with my sister. She's based in Berlin at the moment and I was visiting her and there was sort of no one else I would rather have been with because she's she's just my, she's just the coolest person. And so it was really <laughs> good to be, to be with her and be able to sort of jump up and down with her. Um, and... Yeah, she. I've actually got just in front of me a little postcard that she wrote me because she was writing a bunch of notes for me to take back home to our family here. <laughs> um, and she wrote on one of the postcards, she was like, you've just walked into my room and told me that you've been nominated for a BAFTA. And she put the date and the time and she was like, we need to remember this because this is going to be the oh, first wow. day. <laughs> um, so that was really exciting. Then uh came back to London. Oh, sorry. And... <laughs> I'm going to put the shish, go away, whoever you are. Um, And so she, yeah, so I came back to London. Family, very, very excited. Um, Focus Studios were able to get me a plus one ticket. So I was able to ask my mum to be my official plus one for the evening. Nice. And she was so excited. (laughs) And so we had, I don't know, there were various ups and downs throughout the month where I was like oh my god this is huge this is so exciting and then I was also like oh my god you've got to organize clothes and look like a normal person (laughs) and do these things and so but uh yeah I was luckily very kindly addressed by a designer called Roxander and they sorted everything that was great (laughs) and so we had the nominee party which um was really really cool because we got to actually mix with our fellow nominees and I'd a couple of days before that I'd done a panel at BAFTA where we'd been talking about performance in games and I did that with Christopher Judge and Manon Gage and uh that was fantastic I'd met Manon briefly in LA and she's incredible um I hadn't met Christopher at the Game Awards because beforehand we didn't really mingle and then afterwards obviously he was flocked by yeah so many people so I just sort of saw him in his gold suit floating about um (laughs) but I was able to actually go up to him and chat to him and he was just I mean the coolest guy excuse me and 
he was so lovely and so friendly and it was so much fun to get to talk with Manon and Christopher about their vastly different experiences of actually the process that goes into creating the game and then was uh, their experience very different to yours hugely yes so Manon worked on Immortality which was basically a film set so she was working with the other actors and she had props and all sorts of things Christopher was in the mocap studio with all the other actors as well Whereas I was like, oh, you met the other people. That's nice. <laughs> I was alone in a booth. <laughs> um, so it was so fascinating hearing the very, very different processes that can go into creating a game. Um, and such different characters that we all played and such different experiences. So it was really, it was really cool to talk to them. I think voice actors, we so often don't get to meet yeah. other people in our field so it's really exciting when when we do get to and because we're almost like oh my gosh someone who gets it <laughs> this, is, this is the best thing ever um and then yeah so we had the nominee party and that was just so lovely because um there were lots of people there that I knew in LA I really didn't know who anybody was but I felt a little bit more like assured of myself and um I got to meet Danielle, who plays Freya in God of War, and she was so lovely. Um, and I got to meet Sunny and uh, also God of War and uh, Charlotta from Immortality. Gosh, lots of people. And it was just, they were all so fabulous. And I had checked out everybody's work and Alison Jay from Horizon. And it was just, they were all the sweetest people. Um, and so then when it came to the actual awards, we were all just really excited to hang out. <laughs> it kind of felt like, yeah, OK, there are going to be some awards handed out, but we all get to hang out and chat. And um, and my mum was just having the best time, which <laughs> just made it for me. And to be honest, I came into the auditorium. I looked around and I was like, oh, it's not my time. It's I just feel it. It's just not my time. And, you know, whatever that was whether that's just me being like trying to prepare myself mm. uh mentally for it or but I just felt so kind of calm and I was like and I turned to my mom and I was like it's not happening tonight we're gonna have a great time though and she <laughs> um and then so the performance award was right at the end and of course there are moments of you where you go oh god what if I do have to get up on stage because <laughs> I did not I did not feel mentally prepared to do it because it was just a part of me that was like, it's just not, it's just not the time yet. And mm. it is Christopher Judge's time. I mean, Kratos is just game changing, literally. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was so exciting. And he made such a fantastic speech and it just, it just all felt really good. And I know that, um, I don't know. I just, I didn't really feel like I was there to, to take home an award particularly so I was able to just relax and enjoy the whole thing yeah um I think it's it's a funny one where with nominations it's like well you haven't lost if you don't win yes it's I think it's a strange win. moment and every time it happens with an award thing it's of it's of course lovely to be recognized for the thing that you've done yeah. but then it brings a sense of someone won someone lost and that yeah. can be a destructive thing to have in your head um so the way you approached it uh, sounds 
sounds lovely and and congratulations for well thank you actually for the performance you gave uh, oh, i think is thank a, you so much. um it really we'll come on to this but um i spoke to a sobo recently actually i did a kind of story yeah. of a plague tale um podcast with them and they had some lovely things to say um about your performance which i'm sure they've said to you face to face but it's been a whirlwind kind of few years for you um i think because when you booked a plague tale innocence you were still studying from what i understand you were 17 um yeah. is I it fair so you were 16 okay um so we'll kind of talk through this a little bit but um is it fair to say that a plague tale has changed your life oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean i think without plague tale i very it's very very likely that I wouldn't have any credits at all and I'd just be a kid who wants to be an actor um, <laughs> um so it's completely transformed my life I mean it's also opened my eyes to a world that I didn't appreciate fully right um I was not I didn't know anything about games so I was so new to the whole world and Plague Tale was my way in when they would when we were doing Innocence and they would reference games like The Last of Us and uh, Senua's Sacrifice and that kind of thing. I was going home and like researching these things going, oh, my God, I don't know what this is. Um, and and now I'm sort of sitting here now that The Last of Us TV show has come out and there are so many people going, oh, my God, games have storylines. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> why don't they understand us? And I'm like, I mean, that was me a few years ago. But <laughs> do you because I. I as you said, and, and I've, I've seen in previous interviews, you, you didn't play games. Games weren't necessarily um, a, a part of your life before A Plague Tale. Are they now? They are. I mean, I think they are just in the sense that this is an area that I have worked in and really I hope to continue to work in. I mean, Amicia will be always mean so much to me in that the company took such a huge chance on me and mm. they... You know, I was someone who they had plenty of people auditioning who were more child actors and had done, you know, lots of stuff in the West End or lots of films and that kind of thing. And they took me with no credits at all. And mm. they didn't expect me to know how to use a mic. So they taught me mic technique. And yeah, I mean, I haven't invested in all of the equipment yet because it does feel like an investment um but i've got lots of friends who have uh consoles and i'm fully intend to just use and abuse that for a while <laughs> just <laughs> around and playing games cuz there's it, i feel like the you know the more i get to play and watch and explore that world the more i get um, an exciting idea of what i would like to do in performance as well do you know what you would like to do in performance or is this a, a shifting changing thing I mean, I would definitely want to continue to work in games. Uh, I really, really want to get a shot at mocap. I feel like my background and where my heart was when I started acting was in physical theatre. So mm. voice acting was like the complete furthest. From... <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. But um, so I really want to do mocap and just be in a space with other actors. Um but, and I definitely want to do film and theatre is just, it will always be a really important yeah. thing for me. Big Shakespeare nerd. I love all of that. And so I kind of, my dream 
is to do a little bit of everything like all of the time <laughs> I just want to be con- I don't really like holidays I just want to be working <laughs> I just <laughs> I just want to be like filming filming's a lovely thing where I've got this I don't know gorgeous side character role and then I come and record a villain for a video game and then I go and play a Shakespeare heroine in you know somewhere else and just like always shifting your brain to different places um that's what really excites me and that's a nice way to do it because it gives you a nice rounded um sense of performance it it means you keep getting to stretch all of these things because like you say being a voice actor means you don't if you're in a booth anyway you don't often get to play opposite each other you don't get to scratch that kind of itch that you do in the theater and filming's fragmented and and blah 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 okay (laughs) so let's jump back in time a little bit you're 16 yes um you're at school you're studying a levels or something at this point i was literally we had to take a break so that i could do my gcses because oh christ so it was okay back then okay yeah so it's gcse time you've got a lot on your mind (laughs) Um, but you're also so were you a a special kind of performance school or is this something you do separately with school or so I was at a normal bog standard school um, and then I went to the young actors theatre which is this uh, children's theatre school and I went there after school and it was kind of because basically when I was 14 I said to my mum I'm going to leave school and go to a stage <laughs> school and I'm going to be an actor. And she was like, mm, no, um, <laughs> she was like, just like, do your, get your GCSEs, get your A-levels, then you can do whatever you want. Um, but she signed me up for classes at the Young Actors Theatre and they, that's, they are a fantastic, there is also where Asa Butterfield went and people like ah. that. So, um, and they are really, really fab. And that was the sort of, where I found a real home because at school I felt like I had to be a particular kind of person and behave in a particular, my mum taught at the school where I worked, uh, where I ah. studied. So it was very much like I didn't want to ever disrupt her workplace. And so I was always trying to be as well behaved as possible. And then I could go to this drama class. And, and then you were a menace at drama class. Menace, totally <laughs> error, God. But it was great because they just, um, they just let, I would always come away kind of elated and go, this is, this is it. This is it. And so I joined the, they have a children's agency and, and actually a young adults agency as well. So I joined their agency when I was 16. And then the first audition they sent through was for Plague Tale. And they were like, can you send through a voice, a voice note? And I was like, I mean, I really was sort of really a video game. Okay. I don't really know what that means. And uh, so I just, and they wanted a French accent and an American accent. And so I sent that in, uh, didn't hear for ages, was like, well, didn't get that. And then got a call back, had to go in very quickly. Um, my mum and I were sitting inside recording studios <laughs> waiting waiting for me to go in to, for my call back. And the girl who came out before me was... <laughs> came out from the studio, shook the director's hand and started speaking very rapid French to her dad. And my mum always tells that story to other, like I've heard her tell it to other people. She always goes, and that was the moment where I went, well, Charlotte's not going to get this then, is she? And I was like, <laughs> <"Do you mind?" laughs> 
So I, I, I read or I heard in an interview that you based your French accent on a French teacher <laughs> yes. that you had at school. I mean, yes, it was sort of partly... I've never been very good at languages themselves. My mum is a languages teacher, ah. but I was always good at uh, the accents. Well, I mean, I like to think I would always do impressions and that was how I got by. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lovely French teacher at school who I was often uh, <laughs> impersonating kindly, not <laughs> not in a mean way. And also my mum she she speaks so many languages that I was always trying to absorb um I feel like if you can do the accent then you can get by a little a little bit um <laughs> maybe um and so yeah it was it was just based off yeah her and a couple of other French people I think but we sort of created for innocence we ended up watering down the accent and creating something that was inspired by yeah, it was it wanted we wanted it to sound like it was Amicia still speaking her first language. So we didn't want it to have the sense of a French person speaking English. It wanted mm -hmm. to sound like um she was speaking her first language and she was comfortable in it and um it's funny because the the guys that I work with in Bordeaux uh they all have French accents. Um and they're they're quite rhotic. Um almost sort of Americanized. They they are they are speaking like this a lot, you know? And it's <laughs> yeah. uh you don't know Sebastian, but this is a really good impression. Um and <laughs> it's it's very they're right at the back of the throat and it's intense. And then I was doing a much breathier and it was right to the front and it was uh I was always trying to keep a sort of through line of air and it was totally different so sometimes I would be listening to them give me direction, then I would do the line and then I was like, wait, sorry, I've just mixed your accent in. So it was yeah, it was interesting. It was a lot of fun, though. Did the uh, accent, a comment that came up a lot um, about when the, the performance is that the accent is less in, in Requiem uh, than it is yeah. in Innocent. And pers personally, I, I, I didn't notice this. Um, Did you not? Okay. <laughs> maybe not... it was because I played it a long time ago and then there was a gap and I, I was just like, yes. okay. Anyone who played it back to back, I think, will have picked up on it. It it wasn't even less. It's just my voice in She's RP in Requiem. Ah. Um, and that's that was just a decision that came from higher up. Uh, so we dropped the accents. Um, it Yeah, I don't. Yeah, nothing to do with me. But um, yeah, I thought that was quite funny. I kind of thought of it as my um, Elizabeth Olsen wonder vision kind of thing. Where you know um, Scarlet Witch in in oh, of course, Marvel Universe, she... and she goes for in the first game she's super Eastern European accent, and then by the end she's like really American. Yeah, <laughs> I never noticed that either. It shows how much uh, attention. <laughs> but I guess the thing with accents is you don't want them getting in the way, right? You don't want people to notice them, really. Yes, and I, to be honest, um, it was innocence was so small we didn't realize we had no idea whether it would blow up the way that it did it was a sort of sleeper hit and it mm. was um it was such a small company and they kept saying to us they were like we have no idea if this will hit with anybody and then when you come to requiem we've got a much bigger team we've got an established fan base um and it it just it was a sort of it became something a little bit different and i think also in the first game something that i found really hard actually is that the whole 
Amicia's whole thing is keeping a lid on it mm. and holding it together for Hugo. So I would kind of want to do the lines in a particular way, but they would always be like, no, you've got to squash it down a bit, squash it down a bit because she's got to be less than Hugo. Um, she can't be more frightened than him, um, at least externally. And then in Requiem, the whole thing is that she starts unraveling and it absolutely breaks my heart. But Hugo's the one who's there going, I'm worried about you and I don't mm. think everything's okay. And she just spirals out and she just lets everything, which for me was way easier to play. But <laughs> Hugo, as soon as you remove an accent, um, it's like one less thing to think about. It meant yeah. I think I can let rip even more. Um, and because some of it's quite technically complicated when you're doing uh the cutscenes were quite technically difficult because someone else had done the mocap uh, um, okay and then the yeah and you've got sort of things like shouting and discreets are really difficult to there's a lot of both <laughs> there's so much discreet there's so much full whisper and it's quite difficult to get emotion into a full whisper so you if you were doing an accent as well i think it's just it simplified it a little bit so. so all of these things the way you're talking you know you, you were talking just now about the the way that breath you wanted to sustain a through line of breath um coming through um when you were doing the kind of breathier higher up um mm. and then you were also talking about the rotic and you know the sound being the back of the the throat you know quite technical stuff presumably when you began all this you didn't really know a lot about this so let's just rewind so you're 16 or maybe 17 when it starts i don't know you, you book the job and yeah you, and, and you and you're like oh my god you know i i, I don't i've got a job i don't really know what's it yeah. how does it you you have your first day in the studio you walk in everything's kind of new i presume because you haven't done this before how are you feeling what was that first day of recording like do you remember it and and then kind of what happens yeah, so the first day of recording, I do remember it because we did a chemistry read with Logan, who plays okay. Hugo. So, and that's the only time we've ever recorded together. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad we did because it meant that I had that little person to picture the whole time. Ah. Um, but so he came in and I remember just, I my heart was going so fast, I thought it would be picked up by the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And And I said to... Uh, I said to Logan, I was like, I'm the older one here. I'm 16. He was nine. <laughs> I was like, I should be looking out for him. So when everyone else was fussing about technical stuff, I went over to him and I went, are you nervous? And he went, no. <laughs> I was like, well, just me then. That's all right. He's um, he's so cool. And yeah, he's been, I mean, honestly, he's got way more credits than me. He's, he's very successful. And um, so we were doing... I think it was just what I loved. To be honest, I love being slightly out of my depth. You know when okay. you walk along the bottom of a pool and you reach that bit where you just come off the ground, but then you hit the bottom and you come off the ground? That's where I want to be career-wise. <laughs> okay. I want to feel that like, moment of, oh God, I'm out of my depth, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I love that. I think you get a bit of adrenaline and it's really fun. So sure. we were getting fed information that we then had to apply very, very quickly. Um, and I was just, I just loved it. I think then when we got to my first session, which was by myself, uh, 
I just, I remember the feeling of my brain going so quickly because we had this, with the first lines in the game, which we weirdly started with, uh, were these, was this the thing where she's walking through the woods with her dad and there was originally going to be, I think they were going to be riding the horses while they had this conversation. Okay. And so I remember Mark Keeley, the director saying, you've got to add the bounce of being on the horse. Like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't move because you have to stay in front of the microphone. And I was like, I, I, what? <laughs> I was like, how do I do that? Um, so yeah, there was all this information. I think I just, I basically, I love any, any tips anyone can give me. I will take it. <laughs> I will kind of hang on to it. And then I'm just like running around with all the tips and tricks that I've managed to gather. <laughs> Presumably you learned an awful lot over the course of recording um, that first um, game. I guess the question there is, do any of the day's recording stand out particularly when you think back to your memory of that and it sort of flashes back um, of the memory of innocence? Are there days that stand out and, and why? There are days that stand out. There was, I actually recorded on my 17th birthday. <laughs> wow. Um, which was, I mean, I think they, they were all like, why have you, why didn't you just say that you weren't free today? You didn't have to work on your birthday. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think you understand. There is nowhere I would rather be. Um, <laughs> so we, we recorded and there was a line it's when they come into a church because it always makes me laugh where um, Hugo says something like, why are there candles? And then I think I say something like, oh, it's to remember the people who died or something like that. And, but we were all like, it's for Charlotte's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and we had such a sweet session. They finished a little bit early. And then we, I came outside and Side had bought me a cake and Aww. they all came down and they all had Prosecco. Obviously I didn't, so I was too young, but <laughs> I had some lemonade or something. And they all sang to me and it was so sweet. And I was just there being like, this is the best job ever. <laughs> um, but I think a big moment in terms of acting was when we took a break uh, and I sat my GCSEs and basically at the same time as I did that, they went and did a, a bit of a rewrite because they'd taken what we'd done already to the producers and the producers had said, great, write more. So mm. uh, when I came back, there were more scenes, including this nightmare sequence uh, where I don't know if you remember, she's kind of running through it. Uh, I think I do. Yeah. It's an amazing moment narratively and I think also musically the music gets so intense and she goes through this like tunnel and there are all these soldiers like grabbing at her and they showed it to me and I was like oh my god yes I love you guys so much for writing this and letting me do this because I'm just gonna have the best time and yeah I remember just sitting in the chair with like just feeling really excited and it was in moments like that when I would hear like hear the music or get to see some of the graphics or get to just read the script where I was like oh my god I I see what you're trying to make here and I'm I really want to be a part of it and also oh my god the the guy who plays Vitalis was incredible he would have the weirdest voice and he <laughs> like towards the end his voice starts going completely mental and that's like not edited at all that's just his he was just able to do that with his voice and it was wow. like this weird gargling thing that was happening and they played it to me and I was literally like 
completely silent and it was my feeder so that then I could play my line and they were like no that's you that's you now and I was like I'm sorry I was just like because <laughs> what just happened so yeah a lot of cool moments how logistically did it work because like you said you, you, you took a break to do your GCSEs you know you had yeah. a, bus- a busy life going on so <laughs> what were you were you I mean you weren't you're not physically at school at that point but when like a levels start are you at school and then you go and record or do you do it on special days how did that work so what we would try and do is look at my school timetable again my mum was very insistent that I not miss school as much as possible and so I looked at my timetable if there were days where it was like yeah I could probably take off particularly sport I was like yes I can miss (laughs) that that's I'm okay with that um and then equally uh to be honest most of it was that I would finish school at four and then I would run and jump on the tube and then I would record 4 30 to 6 and so I was just doing a really quite small bite of time uh but because the longest time you'll ever record is four hours just because vocally your voice will start to go after that and we didn't I didn't do that many four-hour sessions because um because I was mostly doing it after school unless we hit Easter holidays and that kind of thing and then we'd book in longer sessions but I think also being as young as I was I'm not sure four-hour sessions would have been the most effective Mm. either um because you get tired yeah Um, so yeah, I think it worked out really, really well. I didn't miss much school. I got my grades. <laughs> so um, recording wraps. Um, the game is is finished and, and, and is approaching release. What's it like for you as the game is coming out for release? Because this is the moment where people get to hear your performance or um, see, hear uh, your performance. Yeah. How was that for you? And did you have a sense that as as the release as the game came out that something was building something was happening I think with innocence I really didn't I was so excited personally but I think also what I didn't understand with innocence is that with games they come out and very rarely do people play them on the day that they come out I mean unless that was what was so different about Requiem is that we had people waiting for it to arrive and then they played it instantly and they like people being like I'm taking the day off work and they played the game and uh obviously for innocence we didn't really have anyone who was waiting for it right because it was with innocence was a a slower burn wasn't it it was something that kind of gradually built over time yes so I think there was a weird thing where it came out and I was like oh my god it's released and then I was like <laughs> hey, what happens now and then it was sort of very anticlimactic where you're just sort of sitting there going, okay, a few people have played it, maybe. Um, Did people obviously... at your school play the game and then go, hey, okay. <laughs> no one did. Um, I remember they, they did do an assembly one time and announced uh, like, oh, we're very proud of our student for having <laughs> been part of this game. But for some reason, the way that they explained it was really confusing. And I had people coming up to me being like, some people thought I'd made, like, built, like, coded, <laughs> created. And I was like, no. How technologically apt do you think I'm not? And like, how do you think I did that? And then other people thought I'd won a gaming competition. Like, okay. p- played it. And I was like, okay, right. <laughs> this is not what I did. I'll take it, but it's not what I did. Um, 
which again I think shows the the amount of knowledge we have about what is performance in games yeah so what happens next when do you know that a plague tale 2 is happening that was i was actually in the studio um to record for final fantasy um okay and so i was sitting in the studio waiting to go in for my session and someone from side came up to me and was like I'm going to send you a proper official email about this, but we've just been greenlit for Plague Tale 2. And I was like, oh my God, because it's that <laughs> thing of, you just, I mean, I love the character. I love the story. I love the people that I got to work with. And it's, as a freelancer, when you know that you have a project that's going to take up some considerable amount of time, it's like you can breathe and enjoy yeah. life because you're yeah. like, That's coming, everything's going to be good. Uh, although we didn't end up, actually recording that until ages afterwards i think we did like a promo trailer and then we did what's called the vertical slice where we did a couple of chapters and then they took it to the producers and then the producers gave feedback and then we uh so we didn't get started into the game properly until i didn't start properly recording until february of 2022 wow yeah and i think they must have told me that in 2019 or no that can't be right 2020 maybe okay anyway so when it comes it comes to booking it um what happens do they send you the full script because uh, presumably there's a bit of secrecy to start with but then by that point they send you the full script so you can get down to the business of working out what you want to do not really no oh um i actually went into the studio having not really seen any script okay um did you have a sense then? Sorry to interrupt. You. <laughs> no. Did you have a sense? So with the first game, you know, you're learning a lot. Um, it, it's, it's often happening on the fly, I guess. Um, you're learning a lot. You're sort of building the character kind of as you go. But a bit of time's passed. But you've progressed as an actor, as a person. You know, quite a lot's changing in, you know, a young person's life at that time. Did you have a sense when you came around to the second game that you wanted to push your performance in a certain way or or pull out something else from the character Mm, that's interesting yes I think um I felt like I was more confident because you know this isn't a part that I had to audition for I knew the whole team when I got into the studio they were really lovely and they were basically like we've written this part for you and we wrote this with you in mind the whole way through and so we've written it to your strengths and we've written it knowing that you can do this and so it was really, really special like to get Just back. to interrupt slightly, one of the things that um, Kevin Chotos told me was that um, he uh, said they, because you could do it all, everything that they were giving you, just like you said, they went away and were like, well, we know she can do it now, so <laughs> we're going to give her everything to do. Yeah, which was basically the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me <laughs> because that's what you want to be as an actor is someone who's creatively enabling um and yeah it was so special to have that opportunity and I think I just felt that I was more in a position to go hang on I don't think she should actually say this and hang on I don't think uh this should actually happen sorry that my email was going off um and 
I, I just felt far more confident in my own ability to stand up for what I felt creatively, which I mean, stand up for, you know what I mean? It's, and so I think I definitely wanted to push the emotional side and they'd written that. Um, but I didn't know the full story. And right. Get... When did you find out what was going to happen? Oh God, it was, we were like a third into recording third of the way or something maybe not that far but we were quite a ways in and the director and everyone from focus um not focus asobo was sort of on zoom and they would sometimes kind of laugh and go (laughs) you don't know what's coming i was like (laughs) what is coming and i was like i'm dying that's did you have an idea what was coming you thought you were going to die i thought i was going to die okay i thought they were going to kill me off which i was like yeah you know it happens (laughs) when you're in a franchise that you know that that can that can be a thing that happens and so I was sort of that's where I thought it was going but I was really nervous I was like why can't just tell me stop (laughs) and then finally the director Jay was just like um he was just like oh can I tell her and they were like yeah and he was just like are we are we spoiling here yes yes Yes. feel free yeah fantastic he was just like Hugo dies and then we were supposed to plow on with recording and I was like I'm sorry I'm not okay. <laughs> like, I'm not okay with this because, um, yeah, I, I'm very, very attached to Hugo. I like have always, for me, that was the thing that I found the most difficult to connect with on innocence was how cold she was to Hugo before they knew each other. Mm. Because, um, for me, I just wanted to be like warm. And then in Requiem, there were all of these gorgeous, warm sibling moments that I was like, yes, this is something that is just, it's purely me. And then I was like, you cannot do this. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be an emotional wreck, um, which I was. And they recorded that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like um, when you came to record those lines? Because I, I spoke to Kevin about this and and he said it was there was just you were doing your thing in the studio. They were watching via a video call of some kind. And he said, oh, there was just silence. Everyone kind of had tears in their eye and there wasn't anything to say. I remember him saying, we just, that was what was happening. What was it like for you approaching that and performing that? Yeah, I mean, God, it was, it was really horrible. <laughs> like it was in a kind of gorgeous, cathartic way. It was really horrible, um, and so we. I knew knew it had been coming for a while, and I've been really nervous about it because I just oh, knew okay. that it was going to be so cri- critical to get this part right. Um, and I also knew that I was going to feel horrendous. recording it so we when we were doing it I was just um yeah again there was a level of seriousness that descended on all of us which to be honest because so much of the content is so dark I think the comedy in the booth was like our comedy levels were quite high we were just trying to laugh and keep going because it was so grim Mm. whereas with those lines it was like we're just gonna have to be really serious here and I remember the director, uh, he, bless him, he was actually not my normal director. He was a, a stand-in because my director was away on another project. So he was this lovely guy and I think it was our first day working together and so he was oh. quite nervous about 
taking care of me in the booth. So he kept kind of going, are you okay? Because I was just, just couldn't stop crying. And I kind of had to keep myself there for the scene. So I was like, yeah, I'm fine, but I, I'm going to have to look like a wreck for, for, for a while. Because um, we, yeah, there were a couple of technical hitches. There were a couple of, God, there was all sorts happening that day that meant that we were doing it quite a few times god and i imagine it's hard as you say to keep yourself there in a in a, in a quite intense emotional state yes it was and in between takes and bless i mean everybody at sobo was on the on the video call and i was just in between takes they could just hear me crying <laughs> so it was this totally different atmosphere because normally i would do all of the screaming and the bastards and the whatever and then i'd always be like so guys how's your you know and i was totally fine and this was the first session i think we'd ever really had where it was clear that like i think everyone was just like oh no <laughs> is she okay and then so then they ended up asking for me to just do a kind of crying track uh which happens sort of in between the like when you're deciding what you're going to do and so we did that crying track and I was just stood in front of the mic just like openly weeping oh. for three minutes or something like that which is really cool and like, <laughs> I mean it's it's you know when is when if has anyone given you license to just sort of weep for ages it yeah. added this bizarre thing where I knew that there were lots of people watching and listening and I was just standing there and nobody could come in and comfort me. And it was just like, yeah, a lot went into that. <laughs> I suppose it's quite nice having that booth to yourself because you're, it's, you're encapsulated yeah. in some way, kind of held off from everyone else. Um, were there any other moments from recording A Plague Tale 2, uh, Requiem, that stand out to you? Yes. So, I mean, it all, you're right, that booth was a bit kind of womb-like. It was very <laughs> protective. And there was one, uh, when we were going through the nightmare sort of nebula section, and my voice was completely shot. And we decided to keep that. Um, because we were like, yeah, to be fair, her voice would be completely yeah. shot. And it kind of added to this layer of coughing and uh you know this like thick smog so yeah we had the lights off and we were just like walking through this section and again this was a it was a moment of just the the seriousness of everything and uh those were those were some really special moments because mm. yeah most of the time there's a fair amount of levity while we're recording um I think what was interesting is so many of the sweet sibling moments, I would get really choked up at them just because I knew what was coming. And they were laying this groundwork of these gorgeous, like intimate moments. And then, and I would just get really, <laughs> really teary. I think because once you've established the booth as a place where you're safe to feel and express any emotion, mm. It was weird. I would walk into there and I was just crying so easily in scenes that I wasn't supposed to be crying. Like I would, we would watch the footage and I would get a bit teary. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to cry when I actually perform it. But I think that was all just really, really good fun. I think the, uh, the scene in the barn 
stands out as mm, that's the one where she's raging and yeah that, yeah she's and she's just going for it and it was just like again getting to sort of put your horse blinkers on and you just you just focus on it and you channel everything at it and it's it's so again it's so weird in a booth because i want to be able to move and put the motions to it but you do have to remain relatively still so that you don't move away from the microphone yeah um i think gosh i mean it was there were, I, but also there were so many moments where i just could not stop laughing because um, <laughs> <laughs> and we we would just i mean i can't even sort of pinpoint one moment but i think we would that i mean we were doing this fairly fairly i have no idea what scene it was it was fairly normal i think we were just moving about a, an area and having conversations probably vaguely anxious conversations about whether hugo would be all right um <laughs> but i'd like steamed up the mirror uh, not the mirror, it's not a mirror the glass between me and the control booth because we were doing this you know the scene when she's running from like waves of rats and the entire city is collapsing and yes. she's running along the rooftops that whole section we'd done that and i had whacked the temperature down to like arctic degrees because i was like running on the spot before doing the lines and i was just so sweaty and boiling and so i whacked the temperature down it was blasting ac in like freezing ac and then we took a break because everyone was like oh we need a break after that and then when i came back in i was like jesus it's freezing so i whacked up the heat just so that I, my teeth weren't chattering in the booth so i whacked up the heat and then i was like then i'll level it out <laughs> but then i turned to look at the director and the sound engineer and the entire glass had just fogged up between us <laughs> And they were like, that's never happened. Like, what have you done? <laughs> Obviously, the glass had just got so cold that when I put heating on it, it was just steamed up. But I could not stop laughing. And we were trying to push on with recording. And I just could not put it, pull it together. It was great. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. It sounds like you have some really special memories from, from the project as a whole. And I guess, you know, for your life and, and, and for everything that happens now, they are so important uh, to what, has happened and, and i'm sure will happen in the future so and incidentally you talked about um emotions i was watching you play through the end of the game with oh, uh, anna dimitriou who plays yeah. sophia um in the game it's a wonderful idea to have you both um playing through or maybe she's playing and you're watching what whatever the the setup was but you're just fully crying the whole of that last <laughs> sort of playthrough you know what's coming and you're just and when it comes because i was watching the end moment where um hugo is killed i still can't I still struggle to say it and, and yeah. you kind of look away as if you've been struck um from the um from what's happening and it's it's gorgeous it, it you know i i don't know how you feel about listening to your own performance but it shows that it still carries that emotional punch for you and i've seen so many videos because i was looking at them today of people around the ending being like effectively i can't handle this you know and and the thumbnail is them crying and yeah um, and so obviously it's packing that emotional punch but as the game um is finished and approaching release how are you feeling about a plague tale this time because is there a sense that you've recorded some dynamite stuff as it were and you know you're really eager to hear um, or see what people think of it. How are you feeling as it as it comes to release? Yeah, I was really excited for people to see it. Um, 
I was fairly confident that it was going to hit emotionally. I mean, I was really emotional about all of it, even when we were listening to it, just with the electronic voices, where it's like vaguely Siri-esque, kind of, you go, <laughs> no, oh, God, no. And you're like, and I was still crying. So I was like, I've, like, as long as we've done marginally better than that, I feel that we'll have, and I felt really, like, I think that the other actors were so phenomenal. And obviously Logan, I've known him for quite a while now. And I feel, I feel very connected to him. He's such a lovely, he's such a lovely kid. And you still keep in touch with him? We do, yeah. His mum is so sweet. And um, I would see him coming in and out for recording and we'd always sit and chat. And uh, he's such a lovely person. He's so, like, down to earth and just he's yeah he's just an amazing person and I thought his performance both of us had grown a lot from innocence to requiem and I thought that his performance was so gorgeous I was like mm. people are gonna people are gonna be so hyped to play this and they're gonna they're gonna love it because he's done a fabulous job I was proud of what we've made as well I felt fairly confident that that the people who loved innocence were gonna love requiem so yeah, it was a really nice feeling of like, oh my god, I cannot wait to see the reactions because I reckon there are going to be, there's going to be some crying, which is always nice. <laughs> oh, it's it's lovely. So the game comes out, and is the impact on your life instantaneous? What what impact does it have? It's definitely not instantaneous. It's again this bizarre removed thing where I see it online I can see it you know reading articles of, of you know like the article you wrote about Playtale it's so lovely because I'm like oh my god people have played it this is so cool when people started doing playthroughs that's always really fun um you see things on Twitter you see things on Instagram but it's not it's not the same as meeting people so you know when when I went and did the panel for BAFTA, there were some people who were standing outside waiting for autographs and they were like coming up to me with pictures of Misia being like, hey, could you sign this for me, please? And I was like, this is wild. Wow. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. Because you, you just don't have that contact. And I don't really engage with people online because not everybody is lovely. And I think it's just easier to have that like boundary of I'm just yeah. not going to engage with anybody. But I do really appreciate the lovely messages. But it kind of... It's so different when you get to meet people in person. Um, and it genuinely feels wild to me that people have played it because working in the booth felt so private and intimate. And honestly, I felt like sometimes it was just a place for me to go and put all of my emotions and express everything and channel everything. Uh, and so that for me it felt like i was so connected to the game and it was just as if someone was like oh you know charlotte really needs to stand in front of a microphone and cry for three minutes can we organize that <laughs> and then it's wild that it's a wider game and i think i mean i said this to the to the writer but when when i read the script um well parts of the script i was like oh my god how how has he seen through me so much how has he like we've we've we haven't spoken personally. We've only ever exchanged kind of just pleasantries, basically. And I was like, "How has he got this side of me written down?" And then I spoke to him in LA, and he was like, 
well, I, you know, I wrote a lot of myself into that game. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and then people play it and they go, oh my God, that's me. And so there's all these people who are identifying me included with these characters, um, which is really special. I mean, it's, I think it's really cool. Charlotte, you've been wonderful. We've kind of uh, come to the end um, of the podcast, but thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Um, It sounds like I know that for the studio, there was a lot of emotion wrapped up in that final game and they're saying goodbye to Hugo and maybe to the series for a little while. I don't think they've quite worked out what they're doing yet. Are you still in touch with the studio? Definitely. I, when we came to the end, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest, personally. I think Amicia has been through enough. (laughs) And I kind of, as much as I love her, I kind of feel ready. I thought I wouldn't because I was so scared when we were making the second one that this was going to be my final game with them. But actually, by the time we finished, I was like, I'm actually okay with letting her go. I think I think she's she's gone where she needs to go emotionally. And so we'll see where they go with it. But I wrote them an email to be like, I'm incredibly grateful and they were so sweet and wrote me this gorgeous email back and um I'm planning on going to Bordeaux with Anna Uh. this summer um and we're hopefully going to meet up with all of them uh but I mean I'm just always bugging them and basically being like you know that if whatever you make I will do like I think it'd be really funny if I'm just a random boss in a game (laughs) people are like is that easier (laughs) i think it's lovely because you're intertwined with the the story of this studio getting to make games like this um and so you're always going to be part of that kind of history of the studio which is quite it's quite special it's so special i genuinely can't get over the amount of luck that i've had on this and to get to work with the loveliest people i mean it is really, really incredible. And that's why I just, I really want other people, other young actors like myself to come and work in this world because I think it's it's a very, very special one. Yeah, well, long may that luck continue. Where can people he- hear or see you next? Is there anything you can tell us about that? Uh, Final Fantasy 16 coming out in June. I okay. Um, Sorry, who do you play? I talked over you. That's no, bad. young Jill I play. Um, and... So that is very, very exciting. I am really hyped to see what people think of that. Mostly because I've become very good friends with a lot of the other cast members, including uh, Logan Hannon is in it. That's all announced. I'm not breaking any NDAs. Wow. (laughs) Logan Hannon's in it. So we are reunited. (laughs) Hugo and Amicia take on Final Fantasy. Um, And David Menken, who's brilliant and I've become very close with him. And then Ben Starr plays the lead role of Clive and he's bloody fantastic and I can't wait for people to see his work. So that's the next thing. Um, But in the meantime, uh, hopefully some more things will be coming up. Um, I'm, yeah, well, if not, I'll be writing something and then I'll just stick myself in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to hear. Charlotte, thank you very much again for joining me today. Thank you, Bertie. It's been such a pleasure. Um, To everyone else, I'm Bertie. That was one to one. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks time. Bye for now.